0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and double exposure with their leading game design
1: convention, Metatopia. Episode
0: 77 Project budgeting for tabletop games. Recorded at Metatopia 2015. Presented by Jeff Tidball, Kat Tobin, and Justin Jacobson. Yeah, so let's jump in. This is about uh, project budgeting. Which I am interested in talking about because, uh, in part because it is not something that is well taught to creative people often, and because it is super important, or like it is a terrible, disastrous minefield of things that can go wrong if you don't do it, Um, and because I would like to see more projects not explode because of failure to, to... do some basic planning that can help make more awesome games get made. So that was kind of why I wanted to talk about this here. Um, and I thought it would be useful to just take, create a resource like this spreadsheet and put it out there where people can use it instead of having to build all of the pipes and cogs and wheels behind it in order to even start doing that. So. I don't know. So, uh, I'm Jeff Tidball. I have uh, been designing and publishing games for 15 or 20 years, uh, mostly at Atlas Games, where I'm the COO right now, but also I am a designer uh, of role-playing games and card games and board games. But probably (coughs) I I am much more useful to the game industry as someone who knows producing things than as someone who designs things. There are many more better designers than I am... Um, but the sort of skills of budgeting and shepherding projects and stuff seem to be more rare so that's where I come from
1: Uh, I'm Justin Jacobson I am a designer and publisher principally for uh, role-playing games but I've actually been doing more board games recently uh, through Blue Double Games and then uh, by day I am an attorney uh, so I do a lot of legal work in the game community as well And uh, so essentially self-publishing uh, from the budgeting standpoint and also legal issues
2: um, My name is Kat Tobin and I'm the co-owner and managing director of Pellegrain Press uh, so we publish predominantly entirely roleplay games um, so before uh, I worked for Pell-Grain, um I actually used to be an accountant So I, I, I didn't have, know that Did you not? Yeah, that was my thing so, um, so I, I know things I know not as much about numbers and budgeting and figures as you might expect me to Given my history and my current job, oh,
0: that's awesome. Now I'm ashamed of my spreadsheet. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. It's fine. I, I Are think you it's using great. Using gap for a <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how generally it I, I, I just know
1: that that's the one thing I took away from
0: my accounting class. <laughs> 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 that gap exists. Yes. Um, so I thought maybe a, maybe a way to start this out is just to kind of walk you through the pieces of this because in addition to kind of being a how might I use this particular spreadsheet in order to estimate budgetary things about whatever game it is that you're working on, it also is a good just introduction to the kinds of things that maybe you ought to be thinking about when envisioning a project that are not necessarily obvious expenses, especially if it is the first time you're making the things. That sounds um, sensible. Way to, and then we can just throw it open to Q&A and kind of answer questions about stuff. Um, So for best or worst practices, all of this stuff on this particular thing is in one gigantic sheet. Often it would be more sensible to break stuff down into multiple sheets, but I didn't in order to be able to see it all kind of at one time if you have a giant monitor. Not so much on this VGA thing that is nearly 7 pixels by 8, but... (laughs) Um, So this is broken down into kind of expenses at the top and sources of revenue at the bottom. And then at the very bottom, the theoretical difference between those being how much money you get to keep or how much money you pissed away in the process of doing this thing. Um, in this, the, the way that I've got this set up is that any one of the green cells that is on there is a number that you can change at your mad whim because that's 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 the variable stuff, right? So if you are going to be making a book that needs 200,000 words, we'll just put that up in here. And then it recalculates all of those other things based on that. If you change any things in any of the white cells, that's no good because those are all auto-calculated. You can't change the page count independently of the number of words because then all of the math breaks um, but so factors, the so this top bit of stuff is, is kind of word count expense. This is most useful for RPG publishers because what the things that go into a role-playing book are words and art. And usually that's published in the form of a book or maybe in the form of a PDF. But what you need to know there in order to successfully price out a role-playing book is how how many pages it's going to be. Because then you'll go to the printer and you'll say, we've got to have a book that is this many pages long and it's going to have a hard cover it's going to be 8.5 by 11 or whatever it's going to be, but you need to sort out how many pages are in that book before you can move ahead with finding out how much it's going to cost to print it. So that's what this top part in part is helping you do, is figure out how many how many words is it going to take to express your game and that's something that's on you to figure out as the person who is creating that project, what is how many words will be necessary to express the idea that you've got a game. And so probably as, as good rules of thumb um, Trail of Cthulhu is, are you guys familiar with Trail of Cthulhu which is a Pellgrane RPG so that book is probably 200,000 words do you think? There it is, yeah. Um, so this is actually a, a decent template for yeah. figuring out how to cost Trail of Cthulhu um, words per page is often a number that will run. So that's something that your graphic designer can help you sort out, and you can make it more loose or more tight, depending on whether you want to cram more words in and get more information out, or whether you would like to be sort of breezy and easy to skim. Right? If you've cut it down to 50 words per page, now you're making a children's book, and people will be like, there is no content in this book. What is happening here?
1: But But, but you have some books that are more art intensive than others yeah. and that's where you'll have to figure mm-hmm. that into. And then you also at some point you're gonna want to tweak because you get the portfolios with the sixteen page breaks, you know, and if you decide mm-hmm. if you're going up traditional mm-hmm. print route, that's something you might need to take into account.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so you can this you can manipulate the art density separately from the words per page by saying how much of this book should be art of a of a page, right? So this is set at 12.5%, which would be one quarter-page illustration per spread of two pages. But you can set this, right? If you would like every other page to be art, you can just set this to 50%, and now there is a full-page image on every other page. Makes sense how that works? And this just totally demolished our art budget. But that's okay. <laughs> that's a coffee table book. Yeah. Be- yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly so. Yeah. And, like, that might be a perfectly legitimate way to approach a concept that you have for a game um, and and could be totally awesome so then what this is going to generate is your total uh, pages throughout the entire thing the total number of pages of art that you're gonna have to Commission in order to take a 288 page book and cover it with a twelve and a half percent art um, you can also put in the whoops the number of pages that will not be words, right? So there will be a table of contents, there will be an index, you're not going to commission a writer to write your index, that's not going to work. And so, if there are, I don't know, 15 pages of scans of your old baseball cards, you can just change that up. So this gives you a number of pages which is going to be key information in talking to the printer about how much that's going to cost. So far, so good? Yeah. Questions so far? Well, I, I, so
1: this is this was set up for a, an RPG, essentially a book product. Mm. Same principles could apply to something that's got tangible components to it as well. But mm. is that do you have that uh, down totally. below? Or? Well, so
0: there's yeah. illustrations down here. So if you're making a card game, you just don't buy any words. Um, you can set all that to zero, and then just come down and so let's say that you can make. Illustration type one into a card illo, and then decide that your game's got 200 cards, so you're going to need 200 of those, and you're going to pay 300 bucks a piece for them, and and manipulate the spreadsheet that way. So the word do we, count do expenses we have any don't apply to people. Okay, that's I just want to make sure. So, yeah. yeah, totally. So if if you're making a border card game, you are essentially going to ignore that word count part up at the top there. That's just not really so an expense. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. it
3: depends
1: if you're
0: paying some uh, or if you're
1: paying the designer.
0: Yeah, that would be an unusual way to structure the mm-hmm. expenses of a card game because usually a card game designer is going to write their own rule book, although that is often disastrous. <laughs> um, you no, know, so actually, when I worked at Fantasy Flight Games, we came around to the idea that what they had done prior is that they had a game developer who would be responsible for all the stuff related to a game. So that person would write the rule book and write the art direction and often wrangle the artists and deal with that stuff. And it turns out that that's a super broad skill set and that there were very, very few people who were good at all that stuff. So you were taking someone uh, who was a great game designer Mm -hmm. and could make an extremely popular and fun system and then also saddling that person with managing the deadlines of the yeah. project, right? That that was no good for anyone. And so yeah. we stopped doing that there. But so you could, if you've got a designer who can create a great game but can't really express that in text, um, Eric Lang, for example. <laughs> but, but that was great when we... Took that task away from him and had somebody else do it. So maybe you would want to hire a, a separate writer but, and build that in as a. Yeah, I was going to say expense. even if you're
1: not. So if you're just paying for the design, essentially, you could just plug that in as a hard number. Now that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really so that would throw off the sheet. There's a bit
0: down here for just random. You, so maybe yeah. you've got yeah. a you flat fee for a rule book mm-hmm. writing, and that person's going to get a thousand dollars, and then they you they can kind of
2: boxes and packaging and stuff as well. Put it in there. For you. Is this You're just going to leave this up for us? Later?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, this will always and forever be at jefftinball.com slash game spreadsheet. And I think that you guys cannot edit this, but I think you can, the way Google yeah. Docs works is you can spawn off a copy of it yeah. and then do whatever you want. Thank
3: you.
0: So yeah, this this will totally work for board and card and stuff, you just mm-hmm. will ignore particular the, parts
2: yeah, of it. Yeah, the, kind of, the writing bit
0: is more... Mm-hmm. So you can pay... These writing folks, by the word, is often how that goes. And editors and proofreaders will sometimes, especially in the RPG business, get a per word rate rather than a flat fee. And usually, rather than a royalty. Although sometimes you'll pay a a role playing writer a royalty, in which case, maybe there is no word count expense for that. Um, Because there is a bit for. Where are my royalty expenses?
2: No, mm-hmm. Definitely, they're, they're down at the bottom
0: after crowdfunding. Oh, right. So, yes, those are all down at the bottom because you cannot figure out how much the expense is until you know how much the profit is. Right. right. So the illustrations yeah. kind of work the same way here as the word count ones. You're just... How many illustrations is it? How much does each one of those cost? All this stuff just adds up down here. And then there's a way that you can double-check that you assigned the correct amount of art because this is the sum of pages that you're covering with art, and so is this. And if those don't match, something has gone wrong, right? You're commissioning way more art than you intend to put in. Or vice versa, you're not commissioning enough art. Here we've got this card game example. So far, so, so good all Just stop me and jump in as... So this is something that almost nobody does, but that I think it is wise to do. We started doing this at Atlas relatively recently, keeping track of internal staff time spent working on projects. And if you're not like organized as a company, if this is not your day job, it makes less sense to a certain extent for you to do it but also this can bring you all the sadness i guess of knowing how much money you could have made working at burger king instead of making yeah. this thing
2: i think it's a useful exercise anyway to kind yeah. of keep track of how much time you're spending on things so that you can roughly kind of work out how much you've earned per
0: mm-hmm.
2: per hour and and
0: also Two on your second project, know how long it took you, yeah, so exactly. that you can make better and better estimates mm-hmm. as time goes on about yeah. how long stuff is going to take. take. And yeah. you can also
1: identify problem areas. I mean, if you see that something's taking way more, way longer for editing, maybe than it should. You know, maybe it's time to look at a different editor who's more yeah. efficient.
0: Sure, you know, or something like exactly. that. So this whole section is just broken down by different areas of kind of, of endeavor inside the thing and you could change all of those to be completely different things. This is just a set of stuff that works for us at Atlas and that work for me conceptually so since it's my spreadsheet I use these things but uh, and mostly these are chronological over the course of the project right it starts with administrative things like writing contracts and developing concept documents and then writing and developing and art directing and all of that stuff. Um, so it, these, these
1: expenses that are affects yourself as a one person. Is this is what you, you theoretically would have paid yourself. As you right. Right. But so like... <laughs> for those who couldn't hear me talking about if you're basically a sole, pre- or a sole proprietor, yeah. uh, you're basically wearing all these hats. And, and then at the end you have some kind of a profit number but you've already paid yourself some
0: salaries and profits in addition to that is the way that you... Well, if you paid yourself some salary. <laughs> right. If you actually, if if you actually, you actually took money out yeah. of yeah. one <laughs> pocket and put it in the other, <laughs> then yes. Yeah. But also what you can do if you want to just keep track of these hours, and then compare. Like, what does this project cost if I do it for zero dollars versus what would it cost if I hired someone else to do it for five dollars an hour, or thirty dollars an hour? Right. You can just set these hourly rates to zero, and say that, and and kind of maintain the theoretical integrity of your spreadsheet by saying administration will be between three and ten hours, but I am paying nothing per hour because I'm just going to do that.
1: But yeah, so he brought up a point. Good point. Is uh, it is an additional. Finding inefficiencies, it's a way to possibly find other things where you can lay off certain tasks that you are currently doing on someone else, and still make a good profit. And that time you can spend—you know—it's an opportunity cost. You can spend that time working on something else, working on another project, you know, doing the things that you're good at. So, for example, you know, there's sole proprietors who are really good at graphic design, uh, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, he should be spending his time doing that because he's getting a lot of return on that investment because he's good at it. But if you're not good at it and you're spending you know, hundreds of hours trying to do your own graphic design, it might make more sense to uh, allocate that time to a professional to do that and you can spend the time doing the things that you're good or you're basically make, make running a
0: more efficient operation that way.
3: i 100 hours and i still got stick art, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, right, so you could decide that you are going to pay yourself an hourly rate to do all of the art. You know, uh, or you could explore the idea of instead of paying all of your illustrators uh, by the piece right? May I'm just going to hire someone and pay them hourly and he's going to work in my back room and I'm going to pay him $20 an hour or whatever and like see what the financial impact of that would be is that a remotely sensible thing to do well for Dawning Star
1: uh, I have this amazing artist in Italy and we have a really good relationship to working together for years. I pay him a flat fee to do all the art, all the layout, mm-hmm. all the graphic design, and that's all bundled into one flat fee. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, I'm not telling you his name, but no. <laughs> uh, it's in the book. It's Danilo Moretti, but uh, I don't think he's taking any clients.
0: <laughs> um, one of the non-obvious things in that is a feature of this particular spreadsheet is that it lets you estimate a low boundary on number of hours and a high boundary on number of hours. So Mm -hmm. a super smart hack of estimation is to never estimate to a single number, but always estimate to a range where you are 90% certain that it is inside that range somewhere. And one of the things that that tells you is it starts to give you an idea of how much you don't know. And it's actually extremely hard to do that estimation until you practice it a lot. There is an awesome, awesome book called...
3: It's called
0: called something like How to Measure Anything. So the, the way that this book opens up, which is really interesting, is this exercise where you try to estimate the number of piano tuners in Chicago. Which is something that nobody just knows off the top of their head. But if you get really good at estimating, you can pretty quickly come to your 90% surety range using various tricks. Like, so you probably have a good idea of how many people are in Chicago. There are, like, 8 or 10 million is probably a sensible quantity of Chicago people. That may be off by a little bit. That's probably, probably it. To get to my 90% surety, I'd go 6 to 15. I think it's probably not more than 15 or less than 6. And if I estimated 10 major cities, I would hope that I was right 9 of 10 times if I'm doing 90% surety rate. So anyway, this whole book is about that, how to estimate things and come to ranges. And what you do is you just keep blowing the range up if you're not yet 90% sure. So what this lets you do is say, I've, I, this is my first project. I do not have any idea how long it is going to take me to write the contracts. So maybe it will only be one hour, and maybe it will be 100. And if that is what it takes you to be 90% certain that it is somewhere in there, mm-hmm. that tells you that you just don't know a lot yet about how long that's going to take. And that's okay, because what you're going to see down at the bottom of this is that your profit and loss is going to be a range, right? The best case scenario is that it takes you one hour, Mm -hmm. and the worst case scenario is that it will take you a 100 hours. But that's much better information for you to have than an estimate that it is seven hours. Mm -hmm. Better to have a range and know that it could be in here somewhere than to make an extremely artificial estimate that's very precise Mm -hmm but that even you do not delude yourself that you're actually exactly correct that it's going to be seven hours, mm. you know what I mean? Um, so this is an area where having a range, I think, is, mm. is super good practice. Yeah. You can also, if you want to, not do hourly rates, there's a column over here where you can do flat rates instead, right? So this is where you have the Italian graphic designer guy who's just like, this guy is getting $2,000 to do all the art okay. instead of trying to do it by the hours mm. and then you just zero these out over Do not assume that any of these numbers in here are actually of any significance, right? These printing numbers down here, for example, are pulled completely from my ass. So this does not, (laughs) this is not how much a book actually costs to be printed, except perhaps by accident. So this kind of estimating, rarely done, but super good to do. Maybe
1: you should talk on some of the labels that some people might not know about, like development. Oh,
0: right
3: on,
1: oh guys. I think we mm-hmm. have an idea, but I'm sure, there's some people out there. What about you development? Talk about that? No, I think you should talk about that. What, <laughs> the, what, what do you mean by development? <coughs> well, it's your specialty. I'm actually <laughs> curious <laughs> because normally yeah. I look at development. and I'm thinking, oh, design. Wait a minute, you already have that in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, writing how oh, you already have that in there. the, the uh, difference between <laughs> design and development. So you're talking about like a project developer. That was,
0: yeah, right? mm-hmm. well, it was became uh, clear to me working at Fantasy Flight, because they had a very clear distinction mm-hmm. of what those jobs were. And I had never I had never before mm-hmm. and I saw there how much better it made their games. And what a developer is is basically a designer that comes along after the designer and calls bullshit essentially, and like often can fix problems, but also can say, you know that's kind of bullshit, I don't know how to solve that but this is your game design, so you need to go back to the corner and think about what you've done in this part (laughs) of the game and and make that better, because the great way to make something awful is to make it only by yourself and not ever get other input, so a, a development or a developer is a super invested creative person on that project who helps make the designer's original vision or the publisher's original vision. If the publisher said, we believe the marketplace needs a game exactly like this, so you hire a designer to create that and then you can hire a developer to work with that designer to sort of make sure that that project comes out the way it is, just because you cannot ever see your own blind spots because that's what a blind spot is. So like project division? something like that often yeah mm-hmm. and then like I just, like I guess although I think project downstairs. management is yeah. producing yeah you know, oh okay or... see
1: <laughs> so uh, but the other thing I did point out is uh, obviously when you're getting this spreadsheet into your own hands you can tweak this for whatever your specific needs are if you're yeah. paying someone to do safety testing for example yeah you can yeah. insert a new line mm-hmm. item in there and put that in if, you, if you've if you got actual things that you know you're using you know, don't, you know it's a spreadsheet feel free to insert
0: a row right <laughs> oh yeah for sure mm-hmm. so for sure, or just like yeah, relabeling it. you not using one,
1: relabel it. Yeah.
0: And and even at a gigantic yeah. publishing. So,
2: oh yeah. No, sorry. Something I just I noticed wasn't in there is playtesting.
0: Yes. It didn't occur to me to put that in there because yeah. nobody would pay it, but, but yeah. you could absolutely <laughs> mm-hmm. put. If you're doing time, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to put put it
1: on your time side, too, yeah, so that's a really good it's idea. It's just yeah, if you're doing a enough, useful like thing that's... to
2: kind of have a, an idea Maybe of how long you that, to that takes. Because
3: <laughs> an aspect of it is not so much playing for people, mm-hmm. but what about um, buying your, um, your your initial prototype? Prototype, right? yeah, a prototype, absolutely.
0: Probably on production size. Well, that i yeah. probably purchasing prototype stuff mm-hmm. would be a, an extremely relevant other expense. Yeah. I didn't have this section mm-hmm. in here it's at all really RPG. until yeah, uh, Paul and Ruth, who looked at mm-hmm. this and who are great. Paul pointed out that there was nothing in here for like warehousing, mm-hmm. and that would be a difficult thing to fit inside a production budget because yeah. that's an expense that mm-hmm. occurs over time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could build yeah, a spreadsheet the, that accounts for that, but
2: yeah, that's more of the kind of a, a <laughs> operating expense.
1: Right, that's it's an expense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a I mean, there's general the things sure. of overhead. You need mm-hmm. to decide. I mean, how much mm-hmm. you know time and effort you want to put into this thing? Yeah, exactly. I thought, things, I think, of, items of overhead that you could stick in here if that's your bag, you know, mm-hmm. and amortize those over the cost of your products annually or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if you're paying rent. For you know, wherever you're doing your game design, uh, you know theoretically you can advertise that over your, all your projects because mm-hmm. you, your projects need to pay for your rent too. That, that's your business. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Questions before moving on. Mm-hmm.
3: Is there anything the three of you could offer on like the cost of different books? I know you mentioned like, hey, talk to the printer, have to do a page count, get an idea. Is there like a
1: general span with most role playing games, or from your experience? Well, it's a it. but first thing I, I you're never going to be able to answer that until you know what kind of scale you're talking about because yeah. if you're doing a short run of you know 500 books, that's a lot different than if you're printing 5,000 books. Mm-hmm. That would be my for a huge yeah.
3: difference.
2: I mean, yeah, I think I think exactly what Justin said, you, you need to know the, the range or the specs of your book first before you can even start thinking about that so like, is it an 85 by 11 is it 6 by 9 is it a board game kind of, hardcover,
3: cover, hardcover, hard,
2: hard cover, cover? what kind of paper are you using um, is it colour, is it black and white, you know, are you going to have colour plates in it, all of these things kind of factor into how much a book ends up costing to actually print So,
1: but you want to know, yeah. you've got something in mind you got like, yeah. I've got this idea in my yeah. head like Give me an idea. What am I? Gonna, is that right? Where oh, you're coming so from?
2: it's more of yeah. Like mm. I, I know
3: that there's a difference in price of like a hundred hundred books, or five hundred books, or a yeah. thousand, or five thousand. Obviously, but I mean, how large is that gap?
0: Here's how you can get a super good worst case estimate in five minutes: is by going to the Lightning Source uh, cost. Yeah. manual they print on demand so that mm-hmm. is like the cost of if you literally print only one book yeah. here's what it would cost and they've got a formula there which is what is the size of the book how many pages are in it and so then you can like you can do you can literally yeah. do they here is my one
3: mm-hmm.
0: book scenario mm-hmm. here is my 250 book scenario and here's if i print 5000 and then you can just get the cost of one book yeah. and multiply it by 5000 to get the printing cost for that okay. if you want to know what the absolute worst Case price scenario is, and then it will only get better if you go to a commercial printer yeah. and do a, a big run. The other thing you can do be is the
3: first source that like the three of you would go to. Mm, I doubt it. Yeah, I'm... Yeah. like I, you know, well, on yeah. Twitter they would have told you know I did I checked that before, mm-hmm. but I didn't know necessarily if that's what you know the, the industry would do. Well, like, I sometimes things do that. You can,
1: yeah. I mean, but mm-hmm. the the printers are more than happy to give yeah. you yeah. estimates. Printers that's, are super. You know, they right? want your business. They're more than happy to give you an estimate. You email them and say, "Here's my specs," and they'll give you a quote. You know, yeah. pretty quick turnaround. Mean, and you don't have to; you're not like committed or anything. It's, you're getting. I mean, I got a quote for a book that's two years late. It's <laughs> probably not good anymore. Well, I mean. m-
2: most printers will actually have a kind of a quote, a uh, quick quoter on their website, so you can literally go onto any of their websites and and kind of do quick quotes. But then you need to look at things like where do you want to print as well. Like, do you want to print in the U.S. or do you want to? try and get maybe cheaper rates but more expensive shipping to print in china or something like that longer shipping shipping times as well so you know there's that kind of you can go online and just look for printers um and we you know we can give you names of printers that you can go and approach yeah um so we use um taylor's um speciality books i think they're called um and we also uh, taylor's speciality books i don't know if you through the magic of the, the internet whoops
1: <laughs> like, be careful I don't know <laughs> 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 Steven Taylor freak for yeah. so yep and there it is yeah.
2: sounds good um, so they're one of the people we use and then we also use Thompson Shore um, and I think Taylor are based in Texas and I yeah. think Thompson Shore are based in Michigan yeah. so they're both kind of US based so if you're printing within the US and then just shipping to the US it works out quite cheaply yeah, that see. way and
3: um, Thompson,
2: Dr. Or, mm-hmm. and Shore. Yeah, Thompson, T. Yeah, yeah. Is someone for, like, international? For? Europe or mm-hmm. Australia, for example? Um, well, we actually, we print all of our books with, with Thompson, Shore, and Taylors, and then we ship them over to our shipping point in the UK, and then we distribute them from our shipping points in the UK to the rest of the world. Um, but a lot of, um, like, people in, a lot of the big German companies use Polish printers, so there are quite a few Big Polish or printers in Poland that are kind of getting into our kind of market, and our industry now. Um, so that's a place to go and look for.
3: And
1: if you're looking international for printing. board games, I'm blanking on the name, but <laughs> uh, Panda's I I like Panda, Panda's good. Panda Mundi, if you're doing Cardamundi, Cardamundi, card game. Yeah. And then what's okay. the big one in Germany? The
0: GPI Grand Prix International, yeah. maybe. Um Luda, I feel like I know it. Ludo, 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 fact, Luda fact yeah.
1: yeah, that's it. yeah.
3: And they are, the one thing that's great about their quotes, they include shipping. In it. Oh, so yeah, you can yeah. get everything. Well that, that of yeah. does raise a
1: good point. Whenever you're getting quotes, make sure you know exactly what's included and what's not. Yeah. Because that budget's not going to help you if you think shipping's included and it's not, that'll throw yeah. off your budget. Thompson jury sure. usually
2: <laughs> include um shipping in their quotes as well. So. Yeah. It's not just shipping. Yeah.
1: Either one. Or we'll take both of you eventually. So there's also
3: Chicago.
2: Well,
1: there's tons of them for yeah. sure. I mean, I'm just yeah, I mean, throwing up the Google searches. Yeah. Kind of there's tons top, of but. And sometimes you can get really good service for the smaller ones. They might not necessarily be as competitive <coughs> on price. They might, you never know. So it pays to shop around just like anything else. Yeah.
3: Uh, getting back to the spreadsheet, are there any rules of thumb? Because like, I anticipate seeing myself fill
1: this out and populating it. Are there like rules of thumb that you would recommend that are making a good board game, you're going to focus on a board game.
3: Is it says, So you're 12.5% art content within a rule book. That sounds like a rule of thumb
1: to make. Of being a if, uh, industry... Would, for unless it's a 120-page rule book, you know, like Imperial Assault or something, I don't think you need to worry about that if you're talking about like a
0: four-page rule book. And
2: yeah what
1: like you're i talking do, about di- board diagrams and things like
0: that what i do for a board game yeah. is actually assume that you're going to repurpose all of the component art inside the rule book and try to just not pay for additional art inside the rule book you might need to budget for somebody to create diagrams and stuff if you're not a graphic designer yourself because that's often super critical in yeah. conveying rules quickly is to have extremely explicit diagrams and things like that. I'd probably be inclined to put that on a graphic design line mm-hmm. down here in the hourlies, either yeah. as an hourly expense or as a flat rate that you're going to pay a graphic designer to lay out your rule book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and the big thing, obviously, if you're talking about board card games, <laughs> is
1: box art, and you're probably going to yeah. spend more on that than you would on a I'm
0: book cover much, for yeah. a regular RPG mm-hmm. depends, yeah. but... Uh, but uh, and then... In, oh, go ahead. Okay. Now, you oftentimes you will be able to like take your cover and put it on one of your cards. So do think about ways, especially in board and card where you're going to spend a lot of money on art because right each card needs art or whatever. How can you economize that stuff? One of the things that made, um, the, that made certain projects at Fantasy Flight more reasonable than they might otherwise be is you could take a piece of art and use it in a living card game, a role-playing game, and a board game. And so you're paying for that once. But you're certain, some marginal projects that could just never be made if you had to commission all of the art afresh for that game make total sense if you can use that same piece of art in three different games.
3: With, is there a, for board games, if I just keep on that thread, mm-hmm. is there any uh, rules of thumb for percentage of your costs for art
1: versus design or graphic layout versus...
0: I usually yeah. see those about even. Which one are those? The like all of the editorial expenses are often pretty close to all of the art expenses in yeah. in some total.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it really is going to depend on the type yeah. of game, though. You're talking okay, about a card so, game. Yeah. You're talking about the art. Oh, for a for a board game. Yeah, for a board game. Me, yes. a board game yes. yeah.
3: So it's about fifty fifty.
0: So a super common board game Mm -hmm. compensation format is that the designer will get a royalty instead of a flat fee. And maybe there will be an advance on the royalty where where you give them 5% of MSRP as a royalty, but you pay them $2,000 up front, Mm -hmm. but those $2,000 apply to the 5% until it's paid off and then you're paying on the 5%. Um, but so then it's impossible to say what the ratio is between them because one of them is getting paid a flat rate and the other one's getting paid based on how many you. And there's sell. a huge
1: fluctuation now, and it's becoming more so, I would say, even among designers. So if you're talking about like a real hot name designer, you're going to be paying a lot more than, you know, a solid designer who just doesn't have the name cachet. that, you know, I'm talking about Eric Lang or something like that, mm-hmm. or, you know, Rob Davio or Matt Lee or one of these guys. So with your
3: experience with a fantasy
1: flight, it's a few orders of magnitude of what I'm trying to do. What would you say manufacturing versus
0: art is a good ratio? Costs versus art.
1: Well, that's I again. Would, but yeah, manufacturing. I, I mean, are you like talking a thousand yeah. units or but ten thousand units uh, or so say
3: two
1: thousand <laughs> units? Well, that, but that—that's. Yeah. That's I don't know.
2: I don't know that you can that's really like, work that out. I
0: don't do calculus. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think because that it, any rule of thumb about that would help yeah.
3: you. Yeah, I think kind of different things. But just
0: keep in
1: mind, really,
0: the calculation is
1: a little different, right? So you you can't decide on what your print run is going to be out of sort of thin air. You have to figure out, you have to try and estimate what your mm-hmm. print run is going to be to. You want it as high as possible to get the economy of scale, mm-hmm. but not too high that you're basically left with pallets mm-hmm. of unused games yeah. in your warehouse or your house. yeah. You know, because storage uh, is, a, so is it. So that's really company? you want to just really for that you're just trying to hit your sweet spot, and then that's going to make a big difference on what the cost is. So I don't, feel like, I don't know how you would answer that, but but your fixed costs yeah. are the same, right? Your art's the same on the first game as it is for the ten mm-hmm. thousand. I don't know what I don't know what the over. rule
0: of thumb would be off the top of my head, but I think there's probably a stronger tie between art cost and MSRP of a single unit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: I th- yeah, I think that's true, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. certainly sense, like yeah. just component quality in general, mm-hmm.
1: for sure. What would that uh, ratio
0: be? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure, so... but there. Well, the actually... cost
1: to MSRP ratio is fairly standard. What do, mm-hmm. What are people they're trying to hit? Uh, what is it? I'm blanking. Is it the third or twenty percent, whatever it is? So you mm-hmm. will, you want to get your cost per unit. I'm blanking on to the number. To be somewhere
0: between uh, five, uh, it... five times mm-hmm. and ten times. Right. Okay. So yeah,
1: mm-hmm. what, yeah. So, in other words, if your cost is uh, $10 a unit, you're going to set your MSRP at around $50? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, between 50 and and 100 right? At Atlas, right. we always used to try to make 10 times. Oh, okay. Good and for you. that is... That's <laughs> what the big companies do. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, that was when Atlas was super small, right? At one point in time, it was John and I. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the reasons, frankly, that Atlas survived to that point is by... Well, obviously, you're getting more profit. So, what was necessary yeah. to get that done? But Atlas is also a company that like operates its own warehouse, mm-hmm. um, and also actually that was discounting all staff expenses. <laughs> so that was we would try to make ten times the printing cost in gotcha. MSRP, but would not factor expenses. Expenses. And so, and all the so expenses. yeah so again
1: it's yeah. a you're it's it's it is sort of calculus in the sense that right so you're you're figuring out what your cost per unit is and then that will tell you what your MSR should be but if you can get your cost uh, if you can print more you can get your cost down which means you can lower your MSRP and theoretically sell more units
0: mm-hmm. but if you're doing that only so you can store twenty thousand no exactly yeah. so, but it's all it's it all there's is. all
1: these dials and you have got to make sure they're dialed in at least pretty
0: Let's jump down a little bit because also there's stuff down, like in the profit and oh, loss section, that kind time. of help you sort that out. Okay. Oh, yeah, right on. Anyway, this will all be up there. So, production expenses, oftentimes you'll see a printer quote broken down into a pre press expense a cost to actually print and then a shipping expense so this is to be clear an inbound shipping expense this is what it costs you to get it to your warehouse Mm -hmm. this says nothing about the expense to fulfill to your kickstarter backers for example if you're actually shipping it out yourself Um, add in some random ass other expenses you should have a contingency because there will be unexpected expenses that will come up and this is just a percentage of your total expenses kind of it is your fudge factor yeah So then these sum up to your total expenses low and your total expenses high because there was the estimate of hours low and hours high. So this is just two different versions of what your total expenses might be. And these three columns come from these three scenarios Ah, that you've got. So you can have a, what is my, if I print one copy, this is my expenses associated with printing that one copy. If I made my one-hour contract administration thing versus what if it took me a hundred hours to do that and this is something that's super useful to look at is multiple print run scenarios so that you know
2: yeah I mean by where. far your biggest expense really is going to be your printing costs so that's kind of the, the there's the mo- most scope I think to reduce your costs and to really kind of tighten things up within that
0: especially by getting a good quote so. Especially when you are a one-person shop. Yeah. Yeah. It became very weird to start looking at spreadsheets like at Fantasy Flight where that was not true. Yeah. So just on
1: that in terms of printing expenses, I mean, is it just about shopping around the quotes or do you need to go back to the vendors and try and push them on the numbers
0: you're back with? Um, I almost never try to push a vendor on that. I mean,
2: I think think it it very much depends. Like, we... um, We usually try and shop around and we get kind of the best quote but we have like i said these two printers that we work with and when you build a relationship with a printer i mean over time you're giving them more and more business so you get into a better kind of negotiating position and so we've agreed like contract pricing rates for some of our printers um so there are you know we can just plug our numbers into a spreadsheet and get kind of a rough idea of what it's going to cost us yeah i would say uh, there's it. so i'm sorry yeah it's it's not you know, I guess it depends on you as a person. Are you a hardball-playing kind of person, or are you kind of a trying to be nice kind of person? But Some people will just go straight aggressive mm-hmm. into negotiating. But also, I don't
1: think there's yeah. quite the tradition of negotiating with mm-hmm. game vendors yeah. that there is in other industries. Yeah, just I don't think there is. Be wary yeah. of that. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. you can negotiate anything really, but mm-hmm. it's not like yeah. going to buy a car where they're expecting you to, you know, haggle. Yeah. to haggle. Yeah, Exactly. That would be so. uncommon, I would <laughs> say.
0: And that is a great way for them, to, for, for you to get them to like mm. put your stuff in crappy boxes to make it up right, and so then you're going to lose the money because UPS yeah. is going to. If I were going it. to do
1: that, I would do it much more in the, you know, I really need to get, help me out, you know, kind of yeah. way, rather yeah, exactly. than you yeah. know, hardball yeah. style. Yeah, you,
2: you don't. No, there's, there's no. That's not how it works.
0: Um. So <laughs> revenue is good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's kind of two sections of the revenue bit. I've got a crowdfunding bit and then a traditional sales bit. So this, this part here is a place where you can set up sort of six different tiers. And again, estimate low and high about how many backers you think you might be able to get, where, what range exists, where you're 90% certain that it's going to be inside somewhere. And then this is just what is the backer paying, what is the shipping cost of that level. And this is baked in as though that shipping cost is part of the Kickstarter as opposed to an, a, a fee that they will pay later to a third-party provider or something like that. So you could set up the spreadsheet differently. I just happen to do it this way. This is your additional expense to fulfill a given tier. Rights so of your high tiers include T-shirts. This is $15 that I have to spend to someone to make a T-shirt that I'm going to send to all of these premium Backers who live in countries other than mine. And so then this just calculates across what's my revenue, low estimate, and high estimate for this particular thing. I also built in, to be more confusing, I guess, how much stock will you use? So often as a role playing publisher, you'll have PDF tiers and print tiers. Your PDF tiers don't use up any stock, right? You're, you don't have to print more PDFs and keep them in a PDF box and throw away one of your PDFs anytime you send it out. So you can keep track of scenarios about what happens if you sell to lots and lots of PDF backers, but still printed a bunch of them, but none of that stock leaves your warehouse. Um, so then royalties down here for a crowdfunding campaign. If you agree with your designer that you're gonna take ten percent of your total raise and give it to them, this is that person's ten percent and how much that they're getting in the low and the high um, ones. And then if there's like just space in here for up to three people that you want to give royalties to, you could easily add more. Where would fewer. you
1: bake in, for example, or are you just maybe taking it up front like Kickstarter fees, credit card fees? So you know you get Oh,
0: I forgot to put that in here. You, well, could you could take do it, it off the there yeah. or you could take it off when backer pays could be your net There's another that. way to, I do to put that in. But I totally did. So probably yeah, if this was Kickstarter, you would just put that right in here at there ten percent or mm-hmm. it's eight too. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Although actually they've got a separate one. So this is Kickstarter takes five and right. stripe uh, takes three. Yeah. Or whatever, right? And so then maybe this is designer. So then this gives you your crowdfunding revenue after those royalties that you're paying out. So this number here is that minus that gives you the (coughs) the net just of crowdfunding after you pay those folks. And this mostly exists here because it was easier for me to build the rest if this was in its own cell. So far, so good. I'll just blow through the rest of this and then we'll come back for questions. So then down here is assuming that you're going to continue to try to sell these things after you're done with a crowdfunding campaign or if you don't do a crowdfunding campaign at all, right? If you're doing the kind of more traditional publishing route where you're going to put your stuff in a warehouse and sell it to game stores and sell it through Amazon, Mm -hmm. five different venues where you're selling it because these are all going to give you slightly different terms. So if you sell here on the line 89 through Amazon's Advantage program where anybody can walk up and sell things through Amazon and they essentially accept that on consignment from you, you're going to get 55% or no, they are going to demand a 55% discount off of the cover price, so you're going to get 45% of the MSRP on each sale, right? So this is your $40 MSRP for your game. They are getting 55% off, so you're going to make $18 every time Amazon sells one of your books, and that's going to use up one of your pieces of stock because that's an actual physical book. Not in their advantage program. Um, there, there are certainly other programs operating at Amazon. But just a few. <laughs> um, so this is what a traditional distribution looks like. So your $40, uh, percent, your $40 thing, the the distributor and retailer are going to gang up to take 59% of you're, your ganging up on us. Um, so what that looks like is that the retailer is going to... I don't even know what you're... Because you're not getting 50% on anything, right, anymore? It
3: depends on the distributor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much I do I do with them and how aggressive they so,
0: Brian not, has a story. Typically it runs from 47 at the, on average, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, and, and individual product lines will change that also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say on average stuff about 47%. Okay. If I order from some distributors, I fifteen on
3: a lot of different lines. But then there's a whole bunch of short discount stuff, which are saying
0: like 35 or 40 oh, That's gross. Yeah, well, that's, 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 that's reality. That's hot stuff, too. Gotcha. So in, in, in traditional distribution, roughly 50% at retail, 10% at distribution, and 40% for you, give or take, as much as 10 percentage points in either direction. But this is relatively fair for that. So each each unit that you sell into that system is going to get you 1640 back. Um if you're doing PDFs to drive through, you got to price that lower so you can put a separate MSRP on that. You could even put a separate MSRP on the Amazon stuff if you wanted to and say that Amazon people are going to have to pay more because you love bricks and mortar or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um they'll only take 30% of all those sales, so you're you're still making less per unit. Maybe you decide you want to price this higher. So that you make the same amount of dollars, whether it goes out in a physical book form or whether it goes out in a PDF form, that's certainly a legit stance that you might want to take. Mm -hmm. And then sales that you're going to make directly at Gen Con, you're not going to have to discount that at all. Or maybe you decide that you're going to sell it for 35 bucks and make all the people with stores angry. (laughs) <laughs> right, which is which is calculus, right? You cannot be pissing them off because they are mostly the people who are selling your stuff. You're gonna do it four days a year at Gen Con and the other three hundred and sixty-one days other people are gonna be selling your stuff. So don't do that. But you could. Um, so then what this is for This is where you estimate what percentage of your sales are going to go through those different venues. So this sum's got to be 100% because 100% of your sales is 100% of your sales. But then you sit down and you're like, okay, maybe Amazon is only going to be 5% in terms of units of all of the sales that go out well where are the rest of them going right because now there's 65 percent of the games being sold that aren't being sold and that makes no sense so you've got to reconcile that maybe you suspect that nearly all of your sales are going to be in the form of pdfs at drive through and then you're back to 100 percent. so just to make the spreadsheet work that has to be 100 because it is all your sales that's what it is So then, this is just scenarios of how many you sell, and you can set these at whatever you want. These aren't tied to the print scenarios, um, but they flow down from this. So, right, if you just def- if you're looking at the scenario where you sell 1,000 units of your game, that is going to be 50 units in venue one because you said that that's five percent of the of the thousand, right? Does that make sense? Is this extremely puzzling? Because this is not intuitive part of this business. Um, So that tells you then how many stock units that you are using, what your gross revenue is from all of those sources. So the critical thing is that this spreadsheet does not check about whether you are selling more units than you printed. Although, it is possible for you to sell more units than you printed because PDFs don't use up stock. So, you just have to be aware that this stock usage number cannot be more than you printed,
3: mm-hmm.
0: or you are, uh, like, I get diluting yourself is the best case scenario of that.
3: Is this, so, is this something that you use to predict how much you're going to do? Or is this something, okay, this, are you keeping track of what's already happened? Because if this is mm-hmm. a prediction thing, you could use this to, um, like, I'm going to so many cons this year, and I think. Um, because I'm going to so many cons and this is the percentage I'm looking at, I need to take this many books to this Sure, column. yeah, I could mm-hmm. do this many games to this con.
0: Mm-hmm. I mostly use this to predict whether a product can be profitable, but you could absolutely use it for that. Um, so then this is for royalties on those units that are sold outside of crowdfunding. Because um, you might have a different agreement with the designer of your game, right? You're going to get 10% of the crowdfunding take plus 5% of MSRP. These are all calculated as royalties of MSRP, right? So if you've got a 5% royalty and the game is 40 bucks, the designer makes uh, a buck 80 or whatever it is per thing. That is not necessarily the most common way that royalties get calculated mm-hmm. by publishers. A lot of publishers will offer a royalty that is based on their profits rather than their revenue. rather mm-hmm. the net sale price. Yeah. yeah. We, do, we don't We do do that at Atlas because it creates a lot more accounting mm-hmm. and we would like the royalty statements to be easier to calculate and mm-hmm. so if you if, if the royalty <laughs> basis is not different for mm-hmm. every sale then it's less. And also to build the spreadsheet where royalties are net of something... <laughs> I was not willing the reason to do why that. So you I'm very sorry. Would do
1: that. Just FYI is because if I have a sale, you know, and I'm selling a thousand things, I'm and I have to get my royalty based on MSRP. I'm giving them a much bigger chunk of what I'm getting than I would otherwise. Right.
0: And so Atlas's contract has a clause where any units that are sold below cost do not pay royalties. That's pretty true. And so then this just flows down to the profit and loss. Did you make any money on this entire thing? Um, So this automatically sucks in your your three different print scenarios. And then there's a best case and a worst case for each one because you estimated low and high, right? So this is your worst case scenario for print scenario one. If your expenses were very high and your revenue was very low, Mm -hmm. did you make any money or not? Questions we've got four minutes. Tax. Hmm. Taxes. Tax. Oh, tax. That's sort
1: of overhead issue. That was the other
0: thing that Paul yeah. told me is that it's <laughs> got to have taxes, so I just put mm. that in this note here that maybe that's another expense. Okay. Yeah. But it's also also I don't know very much about how that mm. and it varies by state. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, yeah,
2: exactly.
0: You might have to pay taxes for the stuff you sell at Gen Con, Yeah. whereas uh, you don't. But you could you could if you wanted a quick and dirty, like if you were going to sell a lot of units at a local convention that you were in and you were gonna have to wind up paying state sales tax on that, you could make that like a royalty expense might be a quick hack for that, right? If it's eight and a half sales tax in your area, you could maybe do that as a or you could
1: also just bake it into your profit. Like if you say, you know, each book that I sell here is, you know, five percent tax, then you just calculate your uh, profit, for, you know, the way you're, where you're kind of your whatever your income per book at five percent less, right? Mm-hmm. So way yeah. to or you can tack
3: it on to the sale at the convention.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah. I when when mm-hmm. Paul brought up taxes, he was thinking almost certainly more of inventory taxing, and I know Jack all about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. but, but they, yes, they, that's a good point. The sales on tax on you
3: can just pass along. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, who pays that? Who suckers pay that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which could also really affect the number of units you have in the warehouse. Right?
0: Yeah. Or where your warehouse is. Yeah, absolutely. So. Regardless of where right. your warehouse is. Mm-hmm. What else? Yay! Thank <laughs> you for coming. This spreadsheet will be here forever. Or maybe not forever, I don't know. Um... <laughs>
1: I'd say I've been making this offer in the panels I've been in because you guys are sort of business-oriented. Uh, one of the things I do for my, as in my law practice, I do a lot of pro bono work for small publishers and freelancers or whatever. If you have a question, you want me to look at a contract or something, I'll be happy to do that. If you want a card, come see me afterwards. I'll give you my business card. And uh, happy to help out. Can we get the guys' Twitter? Uh, I'm at Justin D. Jacobson. What's that? That's D, like D D
3: Daniel.
0: D. Okay. I'm at Jeff Tidball.
2: I'm, I'm at Pat T-H-M. How you spell it for? Um. Like
0: that, right?
3: Blow that up up <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it' determined to just be small <laughs> cool. That's, that's
0: yeah. cool, thank you right. Thank Thanks you guys. very Thank you